You know I can't trust you. I could have killed you and many others when you stopped me from going through the Stargate. You didn't want to die yourself. It would not have killed me. I am too valuable. Which is exactly why we'll never let you go. Welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. I'm Thad Heat. And I'm Maggie Zetter. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was supposed to jump in there, so I just did. Yeah, no, good. Uh, hey, you know, you're you're our first returning guest, so uh, that, that's as good as a co-co-host, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you have twice as many appearances as any other guest, so... Can yeah. I put this on my LinkedIn? Sure. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, this week we're going to talk about season two, episode two, in the line of duty. Yes. <laughs> duty. Yeah. Uh, so, Thad, what do you remember from this? Uh, most of it. Okay. Um, Maggie, <laughs> you were seeing it. You were seeing it fresh for the first time, right? I was fresh for the first time, and then I watched it again to remind myself. Mm-hmm. Just in case. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, for me, I didn't remember much. Uh, at a certain point before it was announced, I realized, oh, this is the Tokra episode. Um, but but that was that was a bit about it. I didn't remember much else about it. It's somewhat not memorable, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, no, it's it, it, not particular, not particularly other than as a kickoff for this returning group, the Tokra. Yeah, it's important from a lore standpoint. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see them another dozen or so times, and they become a pretty big uh, re- recurring faction. I thought that was interesting. There's a resistance group because uh, I'm guessing because I haven't gotten all the way through season one yet. I'm guessing that this is kind of the first time they're realizing there are different factions of Gwolds. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and so I was, I was like, well, that... <laughs> Not that they were doing a very good job of scanning for it before this, which I think was a whole issue with this episode, but now this makes it twice as difficult to figure out who is, I guess, quote-unquote, good versus bad Gwold now. Right? Yeah, I hadn't realized... I, I've seen the show multiple times. I had never really put it in my head together before that we actually learn about the Tokra before we learn that there are various factions of gold that are fighting against each other as well. Oh, so there are even more factions. That's interesting. Yes. Okay. Well, it just we get reference to the system lords in this one, which maybe we did in season one. It's also interesting that the Tokra, the this Tokra, calls himself gold. Whereas, I'm fairly certain in later in season two, when we actually meet the Tokra, sorry, future knowledge, <laughs> they are very adamant that they are not gold. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. The Tokra is both singular and plural. Uh, it's sort of like um, how in other cultures on our planet, we'll just call themselves like a French person will just call themselves a French. Instead of a French person. Right. Gotcha. 
I've also seen that uh, done in subtitles in some uh, Chinese language movies, <laughs> uh, where I have to assume they got the subtitles correct because I've seen it in two or three different ones, and there wasn't any like weird hash job on the on the on the translation or anything. Uh, this was like a big budget movie. It was um I can't remember which one it was, but something about kung fu. I'm sure because I love kung fu. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, cool. everybody was kung fu fighting. Yes. Yeah. No. But I mean, the the, the toker are basically you know hashtag not all gould. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I get it. I get it. Well, I thought that was that was definitely an interesting addition in this episode. Well, I'm excited to hear, Maggie, that you're actually watching all of Stargate now. I am slowly. I am slowly but surely piecing my way through season one. I was telling Stu I had a snow day today, and I have a snow day tomorrow, so I will probably be a good three quarters of the way done with season one by tomorrow. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we as a podcast, if nothing else, we got Maggie to watch Stargate, and (laughs) I call that a win. You did. That's right. That's one. (laughs) Um, This episode was definitely... I had... Like, I've been watching episodes, and I feel like, at least from what I've seen, though, Stargate, like, dialogue is not Stargate's greatest strength sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it keeps getting better. I, I definitely felt that uh, the writing in the second season, because it, it <clears throat> struck me that the the season two opener really was the season one finale part two, so it was probably filmed at the same time. Um Whereas this one was like the first proper episode of the second season of filming, and it definitely felt like it had stronger writing than most of season one. And this is, <laughs> like you said early on, kind of a eh, it's okay episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got some it's got some growing to do with the dialogue a little bit too, though in this season as well, at least for this episode. But I I don't know if it's the actor or the writing. Hold on. I'm totally going to forget his name, which is terrible because it's late. Um, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel was... Yeah, Michael Shanks. He was... I think he he gets, like, like, dumb, like, dummy award for this episode or... Yeah. Oh, my good heavens. I was just like... Oh, when he was like, hey, I know you to the ghoul. It's like, oh, my God, dude. How long have you been here? Like, you're on a military base. He was like completely helpless this entire episode it's like dude he's supposed to be a scientist right he's on a military mm-hmm. base just completely hopeless in this one i don't know if anyone else felt that but i was watching this and i was like oh my god this character is ridiculous yeah no i i, I definitely noticed that uh i noticed that he he it happened to him more in the in the embarkation room which they did actually call the embarkation room even yeah uh the first time around was when Sam is doing the, you know, Gould voice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Jack, what's going on? <laughs> and then it was, hey, I know you. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, it's like, don't say that out loud. Like, react better. I did I did really appreciate that Stargate gave us a flashback just in case we as an audience also were so dumb that we forgot that he ran into the same person before. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you forgot, guys. Here's the slow-mo recap for you. Well, see, audiences in the 90s didn't understand nuance. 
<laughs> that is true. That is something I pick up when I go back and watch 90s TV shows, which is part of the reason why they're so much fun to watch, though, too, a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, shows are a lot more hand-holding uh, back then, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I feel like there's a lot of shows today that veer too far in the other direction, where you look at like lost for example <laughs> which was the first one to like really do it well in the sense that no one like hated the show while it was happening uh but it was like we got a big mystery what is it we don't even know but you definitely don't <laughs> we're gonna keep that from you yeah no that's totally yeah this one is like we're gonna feed you the answer pretty quickly yeah but i do always like this the the fun 90s uh effects are always good um, shout out to the flying stuntmen in the beginning. That was really funny. Yeah, when they were burninating all the peasants. They were, and there's this wonderful shot of like two or three guys just like jumping in the air, as, as and you just know that it's just three guys literally just jumping in the air and out as they add the uh, the effects afterwards. They did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the very first shot we see is a random totem. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is pretty cool. They never went back and explained that statue, did they? No. No, no. But like, I want it like in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question. So maybe they explain this later. But the... And I'm just going to call him the Evil Gould. Does he end up having a name? He has like a title. Yeah, okay. A title, yeah. Because he's a Gould assassin. He's, he's a Gould assassin. There we go. Ashrak, Perfect. It. So we see this ring that he... I guess we're supposed to believe he has swallowed and then coughs up somehow miraculously. Yeah! That's pretty gross, right? How was he holding that in his, like, throat? Yeah, there we go. That's, okay, so that's a question one about the ring. I have lots of questions about the ring. But also, he coughed it up and it was, like, like slime around it. Was is yeah, he Like, just... yellow slime on it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know. Did he have it? Was he actually coughing it out of his nostrils? Like, did he <laughs> did he have it up his navel cavity? <laughs> that wouldn't have fit up his nose. There's no way. Well, I don't know. They didn't show where it came from. It could have. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, like, I've been dealing with this this cold or whatever the heck I'm dealing with, and it sure seems like I could fit like a like a small pony or something <laughs> up in my sinuses right now, like with all the grossness. And then like. I don't know. Like, so, okay, so he's holding this ring in his throat, right? However that is. And he coughs it up, and he puts it on, and he tests it out, and he's like, ah, yeah, it works. But they never explain it, right? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Like, it's like an obliviate thing, but then, so they show him scanning a couple of people who are in the hospital, right? Who are passed out, who are like in the hospital wing, it shows him scanning their eyes. And we never are told why. He's looking for the gold. Oh, is that what he's doing? Because it's like an x-ray thing or something. Oh, now I feel super dumb. That makes sense. Gotcha. All of those are, like, a lot of the... So the gold, a lot of their stuff involves... They're all just hand-wavy. Um, and they do just whatever works at the time. We've seen the same one in a person's hand both heal and harm, and this thing apparently can x-ray a person's brain, but also, yeah, like you said, you know, obliviate them, and I, 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 you know, also do some serious harm to the person to the point of nearly killing them. So, so it's like a multi-purpose tool. Yes. Yeah. 
the multiple purpose toilets, like a Swiss Army knife for the gold or something. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. No, that makes a little bit more sense. I just, I don't know. I saw him scanning the the people in the hospital, and for some reason I thought it was going to be, like, more nefarious. Like, he was, I don't know, turning them to the dark side or whatever, if that makes sense. But I guess that's too much, right? Yeah, I guess too much to fit into a 45-minute episode. Yeah, it was the... I definitely thought that the hand device was a little too convenient in the fact that it can just... It can basically, you know, make the person do whatever he wants them to do. Yeah, but... Like, it worked as a storytelling device. Yeah, and and that uh, that transport driver in the last 15 minutes or whatever was super astute. That was not the second president of the United States. <laughs> Who are you? John Adams. Well, you're not John. Nice. Well, I assume maybe John Adams was the name of the guy that he took yeah, the no, place and, of. Yeah, and the the name patch on his on his shirt said Adams. So yeah, it probably was the name of the guy. <laughs> who's how did he get the guy's first name though? Did he like check his wallet? Why would he uh-huh. think to check his wallet? Maybe he made up a first name. Well, no, but like the way like the transport driver responded, right? Like, like if he, he had made say, up a first name, he'd be like, "Oh, Adams. I don't know." Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe it was the driver literally told him what his first name was. Maybe he just was going to go by Andrews, right? (laughs) Yeah, the driver asks who he is. He says he's John Adams. The driver's like, you aren't John Adams. Oh, he he did say that. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess he looked in the wallet. Yeah, but, like, how... Because he he was the guy... He, He never switched bodies. Nope. The whole time, like he was the guy who was in the bandages. He was the guy who took out the doctor and took the doctor's clothes. And then he took the uh, the airman's uniform. So he never switched bodies. He just stole clothing. Right. So why would this guy who's never been on Earth before think to look in the wallet? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what a wallet is. Ah, <laughs> we're definitely overthinking it. By Maybe. the way, this is the second time the system lords have been mentioned. They were mentioned by the Asgard hologram in Thor's hammer. Okay. Interesting. So the system lords, we'll find out later, Maggie, are the that's the faction. It's this sort of loose coalition of the mount, most powerful Gould who control armies of the Jaffa, uh, but they also will square off against each other from time to time just because they want more territory or they're having a bad Tuesday or something. Nice. Okay. No, that makes sense. That builds onto the world. I I like that. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if the items were just like John Adams. Good. Or, sorry, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, no, we got to change it a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm really curious what Teal's script looks like. It's just a whole bunch of Indeed. Yeah, or like just like silent nods. Yeah. Slightly raised eyebrow cues. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that poor actor didn't. He didn't talk at all in the first half of the episode. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Speaking of Teal'c, uh,. There's a bit of a retcon later on, because in later episodes it's revealed that Jaffa can detect the presence of a Gould symbiote because of the Naquida in their blood. But Teal'c totally doesn't misses the Gould in, in Sam. Right, like in the same way that Cassandra's bomb sense was tingling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that kid sense. But then also, like, there's a loophole, too, in... If the other ghoul could break into the prison, right? So he comes in to assassinate the other one, and he literally breaks the bars. Why couldn't Carter's... Why couldn't Carter and her ghoul do that? 
too. I thought about that as well. Right? Well, maybe because she's the good Gould that... And she was doing a pretty bad job of it, of trying to, like, convince the humans to let her go beyond just saying, well, I guess him, because, yeah, Joe and R, who was in, was identified as male inside of Sam, anyway. Uh, well, Joel and R sometimes identified as male. The Joel and R was female before and was with, uh, as we'll find out later when we meet Bartooth. Well... Or was Jolinar still... I mean... So the first question is, do Gould have gender? Yeah, I was going to say, right off the bat, that's a really interesting concept. Well, then we know that there are queens. Okay, but that could just be a term to allow our puny human brains to understand the concept. Is it like a bee thing? Like there's the queen bee and everyone else is just a worker bee? Worker bee? It, not entirely, because in the like the Gould queens don't command them in that way mm, it's good just point that that's where the gold come from but um, yeah and the hosts don't seem to mind i mean the 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 symbiotes don't seem to mind going from male to female and vice versa because we have selmac went from a female to a male right but anyway jolinard regardless of gender was doing a bad job of explaining their position to the humans to convince them to convince the humans that they should be let go True. It, it just seemed like it, it, it's they, they like start off on the wrong foot and never found the right one. Uh, so and breaking themselves out of jail would have definitely gone against their sensibilities and also really like ruined any chance of diplomacy. I guess that's true. I feel like if I was the person stuck behind the bars, though, at a certain point, I'd be like, "These dumb humans have no idea what's going on. I gotta get the fuck out of here." Right. Yeah, probably. This was a this was another um ow. This was another one where it was just like this is a military base, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else that? It's just like I'm watching this and I was like, this the communication here is is not great for a high security, however many floors underground security base this that this is. I feel like they should get that under wraps. Yeah, it's a recurring theme that people have a really easy way of breaking in and breaking out of Stargate Command. Stargate Command is overrun by aliens on multiple occasions. Like half a dozen. (laughs) I mean, I'm not really surprised based on, like, what I've seen so far. Seems like they could be doing a little bit better. I mean, if only Walter had been there, they would have had that thing taken care of. But no Walter this episode. There was, in fact, no Walter this episode. Um, I also feel like they should know at this point not to give mouth-to-mouth to aliens. You don't know where those mouths have been. I, yeah, right. I mean, you just don't. They might look human, but... Well, I had thought that there was... And maybe this is like a newer thing. Maybe this is just something, just something that was like in development or who knows what. But I had thought that there was some sort of basically like mouth guard that first responders could use when giving cpr like if they don't have the because i I, mean, I guess with a lot of the times they don't even do direct cpr anymore they're Mm-mm. doing um they have like the like the whole apparatus and like the the bag and and all that jazz but i thought there was some sort of mouth guard that was made to at least help alleviate getting blood all over your own mouth <laughs> there there is but i i don't think it's it's not fancy enough where 
I mean, I think this one of the gold literally enters through the back of her throat. Like, I think it would still be able to snap through that guard. But no, that's a good point. I feel like it was 1997. The AIDS virus had been out and about. People should know better, right? Uh, yeah, I was thinking more of the concern about bloodborne illnesses. Well, yeah, that too. Alien snakes getting into your head. Well, I mean, AIDS is a bloodborne illness. Yeah, but Gould aren't, and so the mouth guards to protect you against AIDS and not Gould. <laughs> well, they should make a Gould-protecting mouth guard, obviously. Clearly, after this incident. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's season two, right? They've, they've crossed over the Stargate several times. It just seems like at this point, to, to give mouth-to-mouth, or even to, like, because they bring a whole horde of people, like, back over through the Stargate, and then they're like, we're just going to send them to a hospital way far away, it'll totally be fine. I do, you know, policies, procedures, something. Whoever's running that place is not doing a terribly great job. Yeah, what was it they said, Thad? Like 230-something survivors they brought through? A lot. <laughs> well, we managed to rescue 237 people. The critically burned and some of the overflow our infirmary couldn't handle were transferred to the Air Force Academy Hospital. I don't know. Yeah, as it turns out, the hospital to which they sent them, the... Is the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. Right, so hopefully secure, but you think the same thing about the mountain. Um, but it is fairly close by. That's, okay, so that's fair. So it's nearby. If, if I looked it up correctly, it seems that Cheyenne Mountain Facility is like 30 minutes, 40 minutes from the U.S. Air Force Academy. Unless I accidentally like looked up like some company incidentally called Cheyenne Mountain something that's 40 minutes south. <laughs> So what I find interesting is, to the best of my knowledge, Jolinar of Malkshore is the only Tok'ra or Gould who is of something. Hmm. None of the other Gould or Tok'ra have, like, a second thing. They're just their name. Well, I mean, even beyond that, it's not like... It's not like it's Teal'c of Chulak or Braytac of Chulak. There are some of the Jaffa, actually. I want to say there's a couple Jaffa that are, like, ones, like, of the high plains or something like that. Yeah. And it is Hammond of Texas. It is Hammond of Texas. So it's not entirely unused convention in this world, but... Right, but none of the other Tok'ra. It's not, you know, Silmac of... Bobville. Right. Right. Planet Bob. Hmm. Do you think they just said that in their introduction as a courtesy? I don't know. Could just be the writers winging it. I'm willing to go with that. Yeah, very possible. So, speaking of writers adding things to the episode, this is the first time that we learn Dr. Frazier's... Well, I guess it is the time that we learn Dr. Frazier's first name. No. Surely they've said Janet before this. Damn it. Janet. Nope. I don't even think I picked up on that. Well, Dr. Frazier's first name is Janet. Now you know. Good to know. Old Doc Frazier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, old Doc Frazier, who is obviously younger than Jack, so... <laughs> very clearly, yeah. very clearly. Yeah. But you know, they're in the briefing room when Sam is saying, well, you're just a Jaffa, Teal'c. You wouldn't know these things. And then she, like... Backtracks. Jack on the Jack on the shoulder when he says, don't forget to go check in with old Doc Frazier. <laughs> and, like, everyone has, like, everyone except Daniel. Jeez, you're right. He really was just dumb as a brick this episode all the time. He really did not do a great job. I thought it was just the embarkation room. But, like, everybody... Daniel just had the 
had those conversations with the one woman where he made her cry. <laughs> but like everyone in the room, except Daniel, was like, something seems weird about Carter. <laughs> yeah, but no one says anything. Yeah, but they just let it go. Never mind the fact that this sort of thing has already happened to other people. Twice. <laughs> They're still just like, it's think fine. you they would now know that, like, if a kid, if someone acts strangely, that means something's up. Uh, yeah, like, no, it's like, you know, tell me right now, did you lose sight of any of your teammates for any amount of time during this mission? Yes, I did. Lock them down. <laughs> yeah, like Stargate One Hundred One. That should, I that that should be in the rule book somewhere. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. just like you know, like right now, lock them, like lock them down. We're gonna do a full MRI, cat scan, cat scan, eat, you know, like X ray, like the works. Mm-hmm. Well, until this episode, and they do point that out, they didn't know that a gould could enter through the mouth and not leave traces on the neck. They did, and I do appreciate that they threw us that bone to try to explain that, but I still get what Stu's saying. Before this, we had two different episodes where, in the first one, Jack is replaced by pure energy in the shape of jack and he was super <laughs> weird and then in another episode we have the androids the whole team gets replaced by robots and in that case they weren't acting weird and so the regular protocol of like did you ever lose sight of your teammates during this time wouldn't have worked because they were all robots and they all would have lied or told or i guess technically told the truth from there they didn't know they were robots yeah right but anyway yeah and i actually did watch the one where jack turned into was was taken over by the blue energy thing and it was just like how did how did no how was everyone like now nah, this makes sense this is totally fitting for how this guy acts what gets me on that one and we talked about this when when we did that episode but what gets me on that one is when the real jack comes through the gate no one believes it's he's the real jack <laughs> it's like guys this guy's acting normally for crying out loud just like Jack. Yes, all for crying out loud. <laughs> and I, I guess Daniel just completely forgot all of that. Dumb yeah. as a brick this episode. It was it was so funny though. Like it, it was it was pretty bad. He's a scientist. Yeah, Daniel didn't have much to do this episode except like I said making that one lady cry. Mhm. Yep, he made that one lady cry. He was real weird when he went to go visit Sam. He was real weird in general the first time when she was in the when she was in the cell or when she was reco- when when she was in the hospital bed oh that's a good point he visited her twice no he was pretty weird both times <laughs> yeah he was. apparently no one there's equipped to deal with postpartum depression <laughs> except for the kid again i mean i guess that's probably what that's closest the closest analog to that yeah or a little bit of ptsd maybe there's certainly sure. a- be that yeah 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 Yeah, they should be better equipped to handle that in general Mm. yeah i would say well maybe next time but i'm pretty sure that they're not gonna like this exact scenario i don't think comes up again uh maybe and even if it did they would find some sort of way to make it different enough that we don't have to worry about daniel in bed dealing with depression or anything (laughs) Yeah, that that's fair. Although I do kind of wish that Jack hadn't said to Cassandra, "Oh, she's just really sad right now." It's like, eh, no. I feel like Cassandra probably was like, Psh, "I know what's going on." Well, seeing how Cassandra is coming from a pla- is coming from 
has had some pretty traumatic stuff happen in her life, she understands. Mm-hmm. And she was the first one who was like, oh, FYI, guys, Carter's a ghoul now. Right, because she has, yeah. like, because of the Naquita bomb that was in her body that miraculously disappeared, uh, she didn't have, she has the, like, ghoul sense. Makes sense. Yes. The spidey sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just had to complain about the fact that that bomb miraculously disappeared again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just like, oh no, we're all gonna die. I, I guess not. Never mind. Yeah. Ooh, I, so I had that to look forward to. Yes, you do. Yeah. Nice. That'll be Excellent. Episode singularity. So, as you guys were watching this, what did you think about how suspicious everyone on base was? Because I'm I'm watching this and. When I first realized that Carter is a ghoul, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, this probably is bad news for just everyone. But as the episode went on, the more I became convinced that this was actually, that this uh, ghoul was actually telling the truth about who they were, but no one else on base picked up on it. Like, all of these bad things keep happening that fit in with what the ghoul has been saying, and yet it seemed like it happened, and they found out about it, like, five seconds too late every time. Did anyone else feel that? Yeah, but until this point, they they had never encountered a good Gould. And okay. they could certainly see that this would be the Gould trying to manipulate them. Okay. And I definitely thought that Teal's advice to, to Jack before he went in there... To... When you speak to her, do not see your friend. How do you do that? Try to toy with the ghoul's ego and all that. That was all pretty good advice and very it solid mm-hmm. from Teal. Can I mean? I wish he could have figured out how to convey it with just like eyebrow raises. And how transparent looks. was it when Jolinar was trying was pretending to be Sam? Because Sam would never have said Jack. She would have said she would have said Sir. Or Colonel. There, okay, so that actually brings up another question I had that you guys might be able to help me with. When the Gula will take over, is there anything left of the person at that point? They keep changing their mind on that. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, was there any Carter? Could that have been Carter's voice? So, I... So the Tok'ra do have the ability... The Gula do have the ability to allow the, the host to speak. Mm-hmm. The problem is, we have no way of knowing for sure whether they are. Gotcha. And that was obvious that it was him trying to manipulate them. Yeah, because if it had been, if it had actually been Sam, she wouldn't have said Jack, yeah. I don't think. Oh, no, definitely She not. had said Jack in at least one other instance where it was life or death. Hmm. When they were freezing to death. I don't think this is life or death, though. No. No, well, I guess maybe. I think it would have been more like, sir, I think he's telling the truth, or something like that. I don't think she would have said, she would have said Jack. And certainly not in that, like, plaintive, yelling his name multiple times. Uh, Yeah, no, I definitely feel that that she would not have been uh, such a crybaby. Yeah. Sam Sam is made of sterner stuff than that. Definitely. Uh, like, Like, even when she's dealing with, like, some serious stuff going on she always 
if and when she breaks down, she breaks down gracefully. That was not a graceful breakdown. Yeah. I'm thinking of uh, Fire and Water. Mm-hmm. Another episode I have yet to watch? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, you would have you would have not seen that if you haven't seen Singularity. Okay. So, when Daniel is about to make that woman in the hospital cry, <laughs> <laughs> she says to him, your planet is amazing. She sure doesn't look like she feels that it's amazing. She, you know, she's saying it like, this bread is bread. Well, she's, she may still be in a certain amount of shock from the traumatic, traumatic experience, whereas her husband just died. Oh, that's, that is a good point. But also think about, like, what she's seen of the planet so far. She stepped through the Stargate into a big concrete room and then was walked down a big concrete hallway to, well, steel elevator into the back of a big steel truck and then driven to a hospital. <laughs> yeah, but it's in, uh, okay, that, the hospital has electric lights, heat, all that other stuff. She's from, like, a thatched roof cottage village. Yeah, that all got burned in here. Yes, it did. All burned down. She was she was looking outdoors too, though. I think as as yeah, she was looking out into like a park area. Yeah, which would be pretty neat, potentially. The planet's so amazing. You have indoor parks. <laughs> you have doors. And these things that turn on electricity. No, turn on the sun. Yeah. Yep. Right. That is pretty exciting. Do you guys notice how much sass Jolinar had? Unfortunately, we do not carry identification. Yeah, a lot yeah. of sass. Which was kind of necessary. Oh, I did notice. So you saw... So when uh, the gold shoots the glass... Mm-hmm. Shoot the glass. <laughs> Quite. Uh, there's a clear bullet mark. But then, like, a few seconds later, there is no no bullet mark in the window. Ooh, I missed that. Nice. It's 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 magic future glass. It heals itself. Yeah. And Teal'c, who has a problem doing this, this is not the first episode he's done this, uh, unlocks a door by using his magnetic card backwards. <laughs> wow, you were really paying attention. No, that one the Stargate Wiki told me about. Well, here's one for you. The, the, towards the end there, when the Ashrak was, you know, like, scanning his hands, and it's like, oh, it's a ring, take a closer look. Uh, just before that, the guy that the guard had let in, he said, go ahead, soldier. There was clearly blue chevrons on the guy's arm. I couldn't make out the rank, but they were blue in the army. He said, go ahead, there. airman, not soldier. No, no, no. He said, he said soldier to one of them. I listened to it eight times so I could try and catch what the insignia was on the guy's sleeve. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, go ahead, soldier. Back up ten seconds. I didn't catch it that time. Uh, also, the Stargate Wiki claims that it's a goof that Daniel was wearing his SG-1 patches at the Air Force Academy, which may be a goof, but it's not like he was, like, walking through the streets of Colorado Springs or something. Honestly, that would almost be safer. It's 1998 at this point. It's practically... Pr it, like, the internet is so new, and it's not like anyone has a camera that can put pictures on the internet easily mm. yeah, it had it had to be someone who just happened to have a camera with them which was not super likely in 1998 who happened to get a good picture of it who also then had the technology to get it on the world wide web mm. that's true 
taking it to a military base. He's there in fatigues, and I was like, that's a patch I don't recognize, and I'm in the military. I should recognize more patches. Mm, that's a good point. It's sort of like at the end of uh, Solitude's still a stupid name, when... When they tell the rescue people that the SGC team is coming? Yeah. Yes. They're they're really cavalier about you know giving up that the that like the the low little low level bits of information. It's really surprising that it isn't until disclosure that the rest, that the major other powers find out about it. Major other powers. Season six. Season six. Yes. Harumph. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of who those major powers might be. Do you want? You want a hint? No, I don't. I think I'm good. I think I'm gonna wait and see. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna throw this out there. Um, did the evil evil Gould have a name? What was his name? He was just the assassin. He, he was, was just, just the Ashrak. Ashrak, that's right. Um, I like that he was still nice enough to hook up the doctor to all the machines to keep him alive. That was pretty nice of him. Partly nice, partly needed for his deception. Totally partly needed, but he didn't kill as many people as I expected him to kill. Uh, yeah. Maybe he wasn't so bad. No, I mean, no, he was definitely pretty evil, but... I thought that was odd that he didn't just kill everyone. Yeah. No, Interesting uh, choice. Ashton the Ashrak, he was he was not a good person. No, or not not alien quite. Thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I was thinking of. So at the end there, when Teal'c uses the Zat on Daniel and the Ashrak. Yes. So you'll find this out later. We like that's a new weapon that gets introduced at the end of the first season. Okay. And we get told that one shot stuns the person, and usually it knocks him out. Two shots kills the person, and then three shots disintegrates the person. Uh, so what's one and a half shots do? Yeah, because Daniel took the brunt of the blast. Of blast one. Right, but like it wasn't like a full shot, and then the second shot seemed to is kill. He m- mostly dead. He's only merely dead and not severely dead. Right, slightly dead. Yes. He's not dead yet. He's getting better. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> mostly dead is somewhat alive. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that the only gun of that they have? Uh, no, no. They have, like, they have a handful of them. And it eventually becomes pretty standard. You'll see it, like, every third episode or something. It becomes a common thing for them to use. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, they start that using it all the time. I like it. Yeah. I do like that gun. I was very excited when Teal'c finally came out and used that gun. Well, especially after when Jack uses the little EpiPen-sized thing that's enough to take out an elephant on (laughs) Sam, and Sam's just like... Why was he using enough to take out an elephant? How could enough to take out an elephant fit in that little injector pen? (laughs) And if she hadn't been a ghoul, would enough to take out an elephant have killed her? I yes. feel like it might have. Yes, definitely would have. <laughs> that is her. an excellent point. <laughs> That's something that comes up a lot in movies and TV shows is they go into the field with these like trank dart weapons and like trank weapons need to be pretty spe- like precisely calibrated for the like the mass of whatever it is you're shooting. They also don't go into effect immediately, I don't think. Uh so, like, if you're just, like, going in, like, I'm just going to carry this train tart unless we take out a 120-pound woman or a 250-pound man. Like, no. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to take out one and kill the other. Uh, yeah, basically. 
especially if you have have a dart that can take out an elephant. Very small elephant. <laughs> well, at least we had that nice shot of Daniel looking blatantly at the thing, being like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> guys, why, why are you shooting Sam? What's going on, guys? Yeah. Daniel was a little out of it this episode. Yeah, I think... I, I, I like the dumb as a brick. I think Daniel gets the dumb as a brick award. Uh, yeah. And, the, it, like, this isn't even a show that... They have the occasional explicitly goofy episode. Um, episode 200, One of Opportunity, a couple others. Uh, and this was definitely not one of those. But I feel like even on one of those, like they still wouldn't have any of the characters be that dumb unless they were also like licking an ice cream cone in every scene or something. Or like have like a beanie with a propeller on the top or like... Like some sort of visual cue that this one's gonna like you know in this episode Daniel Jackson is played by a big red brick with a crack in the corner. <laughs> Maybe he offended the writers. <laughs> Maybe they were really pissed off about something he did. Right, and this was pre-Twitter, so it's not like he would have like gone on like some sort of like crazy rant about like trailer size or anything during the during the break between seasons. <laughs> yep. Nope. He went up to the writers and complained about something, and they're like, well, that's it. We're going to write him dumb and see what he thinks of that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we were, yeah, that's exactly what happened there. Yeah, it's the truth I choose to believe. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, if Daniel gets dumb as a brick award, who gets the uh, most valuable player? It's a toss-up, I think, between Cassandra or Teal, because I, I think feel Cassandra. like without... Yeah, because like without Cassandra's... They never would have known she was a ghoul without Cassandra. They definitely never would have known that she was a ghoul. They would have gone back through the planet like they were planning to any, like to, well, a different planet to scout things out. Jonar would have, would have given them the slip and and we never would have seen Sam again. I mean, you know, props to Teal for giving that solid advice to Jack and also for zatting down Ashton, the, uh, the Ash, Ash Ashrak. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I say I say Cassandra. Hmm. I was gonna say Teal'c, but after that point, you I I've got to agree. I think Cassandra. Yeah, definitely Cassandra. Picked up what every other person on base should have picked up on in the first place. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and if this was, if the show was like fifteen or twenty years newer, like you just know that in addition to the big shield the iris over the stargate that they would have just like a room right next to the embarkation room where they'd have like super fancy cgi scanning machines that like everyone has like walked through just so we could have all new plot contrivances about whatever tech the gold have engineered to defeat the fancy pants scanning machines oh yeah 100 percent. you're absolutely right i mean like you watch any show that's even like remotely related to crime these days and like you know, CSI Topeka or something. They've got like an $8 million like electron scanning microscope they use to be like, let's let's analyze these fibers in real time. <laughs> Versus the one episode where they shot one of the crystals with a blast gun and never really covered the fact that they just killed it. <laughs> yeah. I liked that one. Yeah, they did kind of kill someone there, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. They never, they never covered that. But I was like, they just, they just killed someone right there. Yeah. Anyway, side thought. But think of all the amazing '90s like issues that come up because they don't have a scanner. Such excellent things. Like hands down, one of my favorite episodes is like all about how easy it is to get into the SGC and like completely take it over. 
Mm. I love yeah, foothold. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like foothold's also great because it has like th- like two or three of these like recurring characters that are always just like a hoot to have on screen. Yeah, we get both Davis and Mayborn in that one. Right? Yeah. Man, if only there was Kenzie. Hmm. Well, I don't think I have anything else to talk about other than did you notice Thad Maggie also uses paper? I did because you're both luddites. <laughs> well, like can you hear my paper flipping? Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, I use notes. What do you guys use? Stuart uses paper too because he's stuck in the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else just like gave me a hard time for writing stuff down too. And she gave me an even harder time because I wrote it down in pencil. And I was like, look, these are notes for me that occasionally I have to erase. I appreciate them. They're much more useful. Do you know what else you can edit at any time? Is it your face? Can you edit your face at any time? (laughs) I mean, sure. You in ways like makeup, shaving. Yeah. There are ways you can edit your face. (laughs) Plus, I still feel, like, way more efficient when I'm writing stuff down. I don't know. Like, when you're typing it, it's like, ha-ha, because I can... Now, yes, I can do this both at the same time, but, like, I'll watch something on my laptop, and I'll be writing it down, or I'll be, like, trying to choreograph something, so I'll have my phone with the music, and I'll have my notes in my other hand. Who knows? Maybe my phone decides to die, and then I'm totally SOL. Yeah. Oh, this is true. Uh, so one last note I want to make, just because of the timing of it. Uh, Maggie, have you seen Last Jedi? I have, yes. Okay. Jonar, when she's getting choked out or ghoul hand-wavy deviced out, oh, yes. whatever it was, and she's saying that, you know, like, the Toker are the spark that will destroy the ghoul or, so- or whatever the line was. I did pick up on that, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was Reminded some... me of... Uh, yeah, that that recurring line throughout uh, Last Jedi, especially Poe's delivery of it towards the end. Oh yeah, that was interesting. That was a uh, that was a weird connection. I've seen the movie twice at this point, and it's like it's just like still in the back of my brain. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was it was solid. I liked it a lot. I need, I need to watch it again. I wasn't the biggest fan of the plot lines because I felt it was really choppy. It was very choppy. <laughs> it was a little choppy. I'll give you that. Yeah, it was. I was like, okay, continuity, and I, I admittedly hadn't watched the other one since I was out in theaters, so I was still, like, trying to catch up. Yeah. So, I need to rewatch it, but I did, it, it was pretty well done. I like the sand. That sand effect was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Nice. Well, now I'm officially out of notes. <laughs> yeah, so am I. Yep. Well, thanks for tuning in for this episode of Stargate Weekly with special guest. Uh, next week we will be talking about season two, episode three, prisoners. Yep, that's it. <laughs> no, <laughs> which page flip. <laughs> yes, which technically we've already talked about, but we haven't because time is weird. Future past knowledge, man. Future past yes. knowledge. <laughs> yes, knowledge of future past. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. Facebook, Stargate Weekly, StargateWeekly at gmail.com if you want to send us an email because not even 280 characters will do and Facebook is weird. Such as Marcus Neville, who hit us with some knowledge about bees, and I'll let Thad pronounce this word. 
Uh, he says that bees are haplodiploidy. Yes, that that word. Uh, and what that means is a diploid is two sets of chromosomes, and a haploid is one set. And the females have two, and the males have one for bees. Which means that if a queen is reproducing asexually, she produces only males. Whereas if she reproduces sexually, she reproduces females. Right, and Marcus was relating that back to our discussion last episode about how the gold reproduce and how Sklarel being Apophis' son and all that. Right, so maybe Gould are like reverse bees? Sure. But anyway, thank you for sending us that actual email. I am just super delighted that we got a real email from an ologist, no less. Uh, yeah, no, because you've been so thirsty for feedback. It's true. You can also find us in iTunes or Google Play. Yes. Uh, I'm Gamicus on Twitter. I am Tyrannicus on Twitter. Maggie, I'm guessing you're still not on Twitter? I am not on Twitter. Still nothing. Still not on Twitter. <laughs> still not on Twitter. <laughs> We've got to get you on Twitter. And that's that. Is haplodiploidy an actual word? I, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a word that, like, a kid would use. Because, like, if you say something as a haplodiploid, what's the adjective? Well, it's going to be haplodiploidy. That, I mean... He's a grad student. Shouldn't he, like, you know, uh, not to assume your gender, but uh, shouldn't they know how to pronounce the words? Yeah, and I would imagine it must be a real word. It just feels like that's the word that's like, someone was like, I need a word that doesn't exist yet. Let's just go with, let's just add a Y to the end and make it haplodiploidy. <laughs> nice.